party people, I'm Katie, and welcome back to another episode of Apostolic Audios. Let's grow with him, for him, and in him together. Let's go. Let's grow! Hello, party people. Let's celebrate the holy day of obligation that was on Friday, the Immaculate Conception. So today is the 10th, Sunday the 10th, and the day of obligation was Friday the 8th, and I'm recording this on Wednesday the 6th. So none of us are actually doing this on the holy day of obligation, but that's okay, because we can celebrate Mary anytime, and I hope that you guys got to Mass, and that I get to Mass, because it is a holy day of obligation. So. This the holy day used to confuse me, because I knew that conception happens nine months before birth, and with Jesus being born on December 25th and his conception being the 8th of the same month didn't really line up for me timeline-wise. But wait, we're actually celebrating the conception of Mary, not Jesus. Mary's conception was definitely different from Jesus's in that Mary was born to a human mother and father, whereas Jesus was born to a human mother, but a godly God. I don't know if godly God is appropriate because... If you are God, you're godly, so that's kind of that's kind of counterintuitive. But uh, the Catechism, which is basically like the Constitution of the Catholic Church, explains Mary's Immaculate Conception as such. To become the mother of the Savior, Mary was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to such a role. The angel Gabriel, at the moment of the Annunciation, salutes her as full of grace. In fact, in order for Mary to be able to give the free assent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation, it was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. Through the centuries of the church, uh, through the centuries, the church has become ever more aware that Mary, full of grace, through God, was redeemed from the moment of her conception. That is what the dogma of the Immaculate Conception confesses, as Pope Pius IX proclaimed in 1854. The most blessed Virgin Mary was, from the moment of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. The Catechism also says that Mary never sinned. Not once. Because her redemption was at the moment of her conception, she never sinned. She didn't have the effects of original sin or personal sin when she was here on earth. The Catechism says, but the fathers of the Eastern tradition celebrate her as free from any stain of sin, as though fashioned by the Holy Spirit and formed as a new creature. By the grace of God, Mary remained free of every personal sin her whole life long. Let it be done to me according to your word. So that's verse 38 from Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel approaches her. And let's get one thing straight. The angels of the Lord are weird. They're weird for a reason. To scare away the demons, of course. Uh, the book of Ezekiel describes them as this. They could go in any direction when they moved, but the cherub angels did not turn around when they moved. They went in the direction that the head was looking. They did not turn around when they moved. There were eyes all over their bodies. There were eyes on their backs, on their arms, on their wings. Each cherub angel had four faces. The first was the face of a cherub. The second, the face of a man. The third was a lion's face. And the fourth was an eagle's face. 
Anyways, the angels looked funky. So if someone tells you you look like an angel, run, because that's not theologically correct. Back to Mary. Crazy angel Gabriel approaches her and tells her she would have a baby. Not from her partner Joseph, because they hadn't had relations, but from the Holy Spirit. Let's deep dive into this encounter real quick. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Listen close, my friends. Mary's enunciation is beautiful. Also, the enunciation is when, like, Angel Gabriel told her that Jesus was a thing. From her responses, verbal and nonverbal, it shows her devotion to God from a lens of being sinless. Luke, the author in this interpretation, tells us readers that she was greatly troubled, but pondered. She then was quickly, quickly calmed after Gabriel explains the situation and agrees with the words, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. She is afraid by the interaction, but immediately agrees when she is told that this has been blessed by God. She is so aware of her position as a creature under the love of God the Creator that she is both obedient and willing to God's will. She thinks more of her relationship with God than her own self. And most importantly, she seeks understanding that of which she does not understand yet. And let's not forget, guys, that Mary and Joseph are estimated to be 14 years old. I don't know about you guys, but at 14, I was much more concerned about the braces on my teeth and the worries of pre-algebra than God and how he fit into my life. Granted, I was not born without sin. Mary is in a very different position than any of us silly people. This leads us to another Catholic question. Do we worship Mary? To an outsider, it sure would seem like it. To be honest, I probably would have thought the, sa- the answer was yes a few months ago. When we pray the rosary, we pray to Mary. We have statues of her everywhere. Everywhere. It sure does look like we're worshiping her. But to v- develop an answer, we have to look much deeper. The theological definition of worship is a creature expressing gratitude to the creator. Catholics do not believe that Mary created the world. That would not make sense, because the world existed for thousands or millions of years before her. We can't express gratitude for her in the way of worship, but we can express gratitude in the intercession of her love and example. We can ask for her guidance, as she faced the same temptations and difficulties of life that we do, and she did not sin. She is an amazing, loving role model of what it means to live life on earth and choose God with every decision. We love Mary around here. So no, we don't worship Mary. Mary is human. And it's a common question of whether Mary actually needed Jesus to die on the cross for her to experience salvation the way the rest of us do. But the Catechism expresses that she was full of grace and redeemed from the moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God and by virtue of Mary's, 
the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race. So although she had already experienced the salvation of Jesus before the actual arrival of Jesus, she only experienced it because of Jesus. And this is very confusing to us because of how humans perceive time, but time is not a limit to God. His grace and Jesus' salvation are able to extend to Mary before the coming of Jesus in this way. Another crazy thing, let's consult John real quick. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Right before Jesus is about to suffer, he heals the relationship that Israel has with motherhood. How? Well, first, we've got to talk about Eve. Adam and Eve were also created immaculate, without original sin. However, they fell from grace and bound mankind to sin and temptation. Christ and Mary were also created immaculate, but never fell from grace. Through their commitment to God, mankind was redeemed from sin. Jesus gives Mary to John, his disciple, as his mother, but more so mankind's mother. She becomes the representation of a sinless woman, renewing and restoring the people's image of womanhood. Our Father and God, our Mother and Mary. The Catechism also states, death through Eve, life through Mary. Jesus presents us as Mary's children, and to her we seek solace and peace. Finally, we look to Mary because of her peace in the most painful situations. Let's flip to John. But standing on the, by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. Mary stood at the feet of the cross. She exemplifies standing with Jesus, knowing she cannot alleviate his pain. She never left his side, offering the most peaceful and loving comfort, but placing the outcome in the much more capable hands of the Father. Her inability to fix the situation as creature did not hinder her ability to spread love as creature. Mary doesn't become less of herself in the exchange, but more in the perfect expression of love. And that's just a few reasons why we love Mary around here. To close us out today, we're going to pray to Mary. This is an Advent prayer that I found from Devotion to Our Lady, and we'll close it off after that with a Hail Mary. But afterwards, I invite all of the party people on here to spend a moment reflecting on Mary and for reflecting to Mary and reflecting with Mary. I'll give some music, but I invite you to pray with her even after this episode ends. And of course, I'm praying for all of you this Advent season, and I hope that your journeys with God are well reflected with Mary. Sources from today are the Catechism, the Bible, National Catholic Register, Devotion to Our Lady, Father Kevin Grove, and my notes in brain. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My hidden Lord Jesus, I love you and thank you with profound gratitude for uniting yourself with fallen humanity. When you first entered into this world, you remained hidden for nine months in the immaculate womb of your Blessed Mother. She carried you, body and blood, soul and divinity, within the sanctuary of her body. She also carried you within her heart as a result of her perfect love for you and her perfect obedience to the will of the Father. O oh, precious Lord, as I embrace this Advent season, please open my eyes to, the, to see the great value and blessing of your incarnation. Help me to discover your hidden presence in this world and within my own soul. I desire to see, understand, and experience the profound effects that your incarnation has on my life, and I desire to receive those effects more fully this Advent. May I become a sanctuary in which you dwell, so that I, like your dear mother, may bring your presence into the world. 
My loving Jesus, I choose you this Advent as my King and my God. I abandon myself to you and seek to put all my trust in your tender care. Draw me close to you and free from my sin so that I may love you with a pure and holy heart. Mother Mary, as you carried your dear son in your immaculate womb, you also carried him in your heart. Pray for me this Advent that I may surrender myself to the will of the Father in the imitation of you. You said yes to all that God asked of you and never hesitated to fully embrace his divine will. Pray that I may imitate your perfect example so as to share a deeper union with you and your divine son. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Apostolic Audios. Stay in touch with us on our social medias linked in the notes of this episode. Keep us in your prayers. You're always in ours. Thank you.